Well, if you are married, thinking about getting married, engaged, and even single and wanting to desperately get married, then this is the show for you. Because I have popular marriage blogger, pastor, and author Kevin A. Thompson with me to talk about the three vital roles of marriage friends, partners, and lover. It's an amazing conversation. He shares with me his thoughts about the number one cause for divorce, which will surprise you, that marriage takes work and intention, and most marriages live in apathy and laziness. This is the show for anybody who is wanting to work hard on their relationships, marriage. You won't want to miss it. Hello, Kevin Thompson, all the way from Fort Smith, Arkansas. I have to have this little twang when I say it, Kevin, via (laughs) Skype. I love that you're here with me. Thanks for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. Now, Kevin, what's fascinating, you know, you're the author of a new book, Friends, Partners, and Lovers, What It Takes to Make Your Marriage Work. But what I'm fascinated about is that you have this answer that surprised me about the number one cause of divorce, which shocked me because I had all these other ideas, but you actually say it's something completely different. Tell me about that. Yeah, everybody assumes the number one cause of divorce is is adultery or money issues, a lack of communication, something like that. But but I think that's wrong. I think those are symptoms of the true cause. I think the number one cause of divorce is a lack of intention. Mm-hmm. Whenever we fall in love, it happened. It feels like it happens so naturally. But what we don't understand is then it takes work to keep it going. And what tends to happen is that couples don't understand the intention required for that relationship. They fail to put in the work to stay connected as friends, to figure out what it means to be partners, to to understand what their spouse needs uh, in the intimacy area. And through that apathy, whether it be intentional at times or unintentional, through that apathy, they tend to drift apart. And then one of those symptoms begins to, to take them down. It, it's only uh, Adultery is a lack of intention with healthy boundaries or a lack of intention of understanding what our spouse mm. needs. Money problems is a lack of intention with budgeting or understanding how to spend money. So what people tend to believe causes divorce actually doesn't. Facebook doesn't cause divorce. <laughs> a lack of an intention in keeping a healthy friendship and healthy boundaries, that's what causes divorce. So it's really key about this intention of the work that goes into a marriage is what you're saying. In every aspect, every single day, you have to do the work necessary to have the marriage that you want. That's so interesting because I think we always look at the sort of symptoms and what happens is the issue. But then actually, if you go back and go deeper, you realize, you know, you're saying the lack of intention, apathy. You also mentioned things like laziness and just not wanting to do the work, which you know what? I admit There are days that I'm like that. I'm actually lazy. I don't want to do the work. It's hard work being other-centered, selfless. I want to be selfish, right? I want to just sit on the couch and watch HGTV and not clean or cook or be in a thoughtful conversation with my husband. You know what I mean? Um, no question. And I think that I think, I think so much of it comes from. I'm sorry. I think so much of it comes from also at times a misunderstanding about what marriage is all about. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talk about in the book how we we buy into this cultural idea of a soulmate. Well, if somebody was created specifically for you and they are your perfect fit, then it makes total sense that whenever you find them, the work is done right. because they're perfect for you. Mm-hmm. 
But the reality is that's not the biblical description of marriage. It's not the reality of marriage. And so because this other person isn't perfect for you, because in reality it's two sin-filled people now trying to live their lives together, clearly that's going to take effort. And so there's times in which couples show a lack of intention, uh, not with ill will and not even toward laziness, but just understanding the very nature of being in life that is truly worth it, that you don't work for in some way, that doesn't create or demand some kind of effort. And uh, marriage is that way too. You know, Kevin, this kind of topic or book has to come from your own sort of personal experience and to kind of get the story behind the story or the book. Talk to me about that, your own marriage, um, your sort of discovery in these things um, as far as, you know, putting this together and saying, you know, this has worked for me in my own marriage or not and how this came about. Yeah, so so much of this book comes from my wife and I've been married 17 years, wow. and it comes from just a basic concept here of what is it that I'm supposed to do? Mm-hmm. I love this woman, and I want to be married to her, and I want to have a marriage that lasts. You know, I came from a from from my parents; their marriage didn't make it, and so I have that brokenness in my life. Uh, I had grandparents that were married for seventy years, wow. and so they were the couple I really wanted to model after. And so mm-hmm. I began to ask, what is it that made their relationship work so much? What is it that maybe my parents struggled with to some extent? But then, in in the midst of my own marriage, what is it that I need to be? for my wife. And so in part, I would say that this book is a job description hmm. of what a healthy marriage looks like. And it narrows it down to the most basic of concepts. If you can just do work within this framework mm-hmm. uh, and then take on your own personality and, and, and marriages look different for different people. But these basic qualities, uh, I think, have to be present in every marriage for it to be healthy. And, and so that's kind of where it was born from, from my experience. And, and I, you know, I have a website, kevinathompson.com. I begin to write there, test out these ideas. People begin to ask for this more in a book form. And the great thing about that is my wife is my editor. So there is <laughs> there is nothing yeah. that I have written. Uh, you know, today's my wife's birthday. I wrote an article on my website in honor of her. But But to be honest with you, I published one article. I wrote two. She didn't like the first one. And so, uh, and so I said, okay, I'm not going to publish it. And uh, so that's the great thing here. Yeah. Whatever you read this, it has my name on the cover, uh, but, but she's approved everything that's in this book. And so we have really worked through it. And this isn't an idea of we have it figured out. Instead, this is an idea of we have struggled like everybody else and we're yeah. trying to figure it out. And what we have learned is that we think from a biblical concept, these three elements have to be present. Kevin, there's the three points that you say to make a marriage work or, or to, you know, what it takes to make your marriage work. And that's friends, partners, and lovers. So friendship, partnership, and, and, and being a lover. Let's talk about that because friendship is something that I don't hear. I do hear in some of my friends' relationships and others I don't hear about the friendship part. And you actually say that that's one of the most important of the three roles, which yeah, I was I think like, that's oh. that's where it all starts. Yeah. I think so that's, that's the Talk foundation. to me about that. Yeah, the foundation is friendship. And you think about it from a from a first date standpoint, from from early on a relationship, what is it that you're doing? You're trying to figure out, do I like this person? Do I enjoy them? Am I intrigued by them? There's no doubt that that there is an attraction component that's at work. But then beyond that, you're just trying to figure out, can I stand her voice or his voice and their personality and their <laughs> yeah. sense of humor? And is it there? And what do they like? Relationships begin with friendship. And, and it's so important. I think that's where a marriage has, that's the foundation. I, I, I think in many ways, if you think about it like a house, that there's the, the foundation is marriage, the walls are partnership, and then the roof is intimacy. Mm-hmm. And if that foundation is weak, 
uh, then you're going to struggle in, in so many ways. But what I see happens so many times is a relationship begins with a strong friendship. They get married and the intimacy really begins to pick up. But as the demands of life come upon them and they're having to play the role of the partner, raising kids, having work, paying bills, the friendship gets pushed to the side. Hmm. And before long, what people don't realize is that they're beginning to drift apart. That yes, they interact with each other on who's going to pick up the kids. And, and yes, they, they still have intimate moments. But that heart-to-heart connection uh, of truly being a best friend, I say that you, you don't have to be each other's only friend by any means, but you do need to be their best friend, the first person they call in the good times and the bad. Mm-hmm. What happens so often in the busyness of life is the first thing to slide away in the midst of a lack of intention is that friendship. And what's so scary to me is it happens without us seeing it. Mm -hmm. We don't even recognize it uh, until we're too far down the path to where we realize we've kind of drifted apart. And so I would say that the number one thing that your viewers can do right now to, to better their marriage is to strengthen their friendship. If they will do that, it will have a ripple effect, I think, in every other aspect of their lives. Kevin, what kind of easy tips would there be to be, I mean, it sounds so funny, like, oh, be a good friend, and I have to be intentional about that, but like, what are some, just maybe one or two easy tips that you can start if you're like, maybe I'm not a friend to my spouse, you know, what what can you do? Take a walk. That's the easiest thing. It really is the easiest thing, because what happens when, I I love the image of a walk, because you're walking side by side. Mm -hmm. Whenever I think about these these three dynamics, friendship, partnership, and and then lover intimacy, I think friends are walking through life hand in hand. It means I, whenever I have a friend, it means I always have somebody by my side. Mm -hmm. Partnership, these are two people uh, standing back to back. You're watching out for one another. I have your back. And then intimacy is we're staring at each other and we see the fullness of who each other is, weaknesses and all, and yet we love each other no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, and so whenever I think about friendship, I think you walk side by side. And I think one of the easiest things to do there is to take a walk, go downtown, stroll the streets, break away just the two of you from the busyness of life, from all the demands that are there, be doing something. So you're engaging, you're interacting. Men are far more likely to talk, by the way, uh, when they're side by side mm-hmm. instead of face to face. Men, women tend to talk eye to eye. Men tend to talk side by side. Mm-hmm. Think about two men in a golf cart, two men in a fishing boat, <laughs> right. two men in a hunting blind. They're never looking at each other, mm-hmm. but they're talking continuously. So I think if a couple will simply take a 30 minute walk uh, three times a week, you will begin to see, mm-hmm. I know more about my partner. I understand more about what's going on in her life. I think more about her, what, what's happening. I understand what he's feeling. So the simplest uh, prescription I would have to strengthen your friendship is to simply take a walk. That's good. Now, moving on to partnership, because I think this is an interesting role, like partnership. You know, what what does that mean? And especially in what I'm learning is, you know, partnership as as I go to work and, and to be a partner in life. I mean, I'm a stepmom, so I've got, you know, two wonderful kids that have come in and I, I work full time in media and Chris, my husband, works full time, too. And so explain about partnership and how to build that. I, I get my head around the friendship, but you say being a partner is just as important, too, for to make a marriage work. What does that mean and look like in a healthy way as well? Yeah, you know, I think for Jenny and I, what what has happened here is whenever we first got married, we understood friendship was part of it. We were dating, we were mm-hmm. friends. We understood that, that being lovers was going to be part of it. And the intimacy was was there. We were looking forward to that. I think what surprised me the most about marriage now 17 years in is the partnership and how much fun 
that has mm. been. And uh, for us, it has really defined our 30s. I'm just a, a few months away from leaving my 30s. Mm-hmm. And for us, that, that has defined this, this section of life. And it's been a great deal of fun. And now, now no doubt, there's, there's a business side to it. Partnership is the unsexy aspect <laughs> yes. uh, of marriage. And yet, you know, it used to be that partnership was all marriage was about. Mm-hmm. It was about a land deal, a transaction, transaction what can yeah. you gain through a relationship. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, we've moved away from that. But that hasn't taken away the concept of partnership. It's still there. If you doubt that, as you know, get divorced. Mm-hmm. And then you understand this person affects my credit score and you, you have to yeah. unwind everything. And so clearly partnership is an important, important aspect. And so for me, it's everything from raising kids to earning money. But then ultimately, I think once you take care of those basic concepts, partnership in the end becomes I'm by your side. I want you to succeed. and I'm doing everything in my power now to assist you. Mm-hmm. Imagine Good. one thing I talk about all the time. Uh, to couples is Jenny and I try to do this as, as much as we can. We try to, as we're leaving throughout the day, I simply say, what's one thing I can do for you today? Hmm. Now, doesn't guarantee that I can do it for her, but what that does is it gives me an insight. How stressed is she? What's on her plate? What's something I can alleviate from that? She does the same thing for me. That's a partnership. It means I have somebody who's watching out for me, who wants to make my life easier, and then ultimately wants to make it better. Mm-hmm. My, what may be my favorite chapter in the book uh, is in this partnership section. And after getting through the drudgery of the partnership of you have to earn money and pay bills and raise kids, mm-hmm. there's this chapter that, that culminates in this idea that partnership at its, at its best is how can I make your dreams come true? Mm, that's what good. What is it yeah. that you want? And now I'm going to encourage you and almost push you to make your dreams come true. I always dreamed of having a book. Why do I have a book? Because my wife made it happen. Because she Mm. said, this is a dream of yours and it's time to make this happen. You need to go to your room and write. And then after you write, I'm going to edit it. I'm going to correct it. We're going to make it better. And we're going to start this process. And and so in the end, good partners are helping to create the lives that we want. And it it ultimately is about making our dreams come true. That's amazing. And, you know, Kevin, there's so much about this intentionality and work that goes in that. You know, it's about you know, being in the other person's lives, knowing their dreams so that you can cheer them on. It's not being on the outside, like looking in, it's being a part of of them as much as they are with you. And I think a lot of people miss that, right? I mean, that that intimacy, not from a physical standpoint, but the intimacy of really knowing a person um, and, and what makes them tick and, and their dreams. I really like that. That's powerful. You know what intimacy is in the end? Intimacy is just this idea of I see you. Hmm. That's what intimacy truly is. I see you. I understand an aspect of who you are, of what you're struggling with, of what excites you, uh, those kind of things. And obviously, we can take that into a bedroom kind of format of lover. Mm -hmm. But intimacy is more than that. It's more than sex. It is this concept of I'm I'm known and loved and appreciated. And, And so you're right. You cannot be a good partner unless you see your spouse and mm-hmm. understand what's taking place. And that's an aspect of friendship. It, it involves in a in partnership and ultimately it affects uh, what it means to be lovers. Yeah. Well, on that note, I mean, the segue into, you know, I think one of the, the discussions I've had with my girlfriends and others and emails and, and things I've gotten from people is, you know, what happens when you've lost that love and feeling? So I, yeah. I, that comes up in your book about, you know, you've lost or losing the, the lover aspect of your marriage. And that's important. I think for women, too. I mean, there's seasons and changes in our bodies. And, and you know, you can start blaming on that. Like, I'm, I'm hitting perimenopause or menopause, so things are changing. But um, I've seen the destruction and what's happened when you've used the 
girlfriends of mine have used that excuse not to be intimate and their marriage has caught has has broken. And so I'd love to, you know, you to share about that, because, again, a lot of people don't talk in that way. I think sometimes at the church, we don't talk honestly about the lover side because I don't if people get uncomfortable. But I think that's so important that we need honest, you know, Christian faith based, you know, talks and conversations like this to talk honestly about this part. So what do we do? You know, people are saying we've got friendship, we've got partnership, but this third part, we're really struggling with and we've lost it. What, how do we get that back? Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, you need to, to maybe diagnose it properly to, mm-hmm. to make sure it's easy to say, oh, yeah, we're good friends. But but then you get to the heart of it. And really, maybe she doesn't feel that way. He feels that way. Ah, she okay. doesn't feel that yeah. way. And, and then it's going to ripple over into that. So I, th- I think you have to diagnose it properly. And then if it comes down to, you know what, we are good friends and we do have a good partnership. And, and then the intimacy is what is truly lacking. Then I think in many ways, one aspect you can do is you can get help. Mm-hmm. Ha- have some humility to, to go to a counselor and just say, you know what, it used to be really good. But now we have kids or teenagers. Now we're struggling in this area. We have body image issues. Obviously, chemically, some things can change mm-hmm. throughout out times, sometimes the woman desires it more than the man. And how do you work through those issues? So this is a, this is an area in which couples should be quick, uh, I, I think, to to get help, to get assistance. But there's also some minor things that I think that they can do uh, to assist it within their own relationship. And the number one thing is to simply talk. Hmm. Too many couples, we talk too much to our girlfriends about sex and not enough to our husbands about sex. We talk too much in the locker room to the guys about sex and not enough to our wives mm-hmm. about it. And I understand it. It is so vulnerable and so personal. And so I don't think you should talk about it in the bedroom. Don't talk mm-hmm. about it. But instead, whenever you're taking your walk, have this be the topic and begin to refresh. What is it when it when it goes right? What is it that makes it go right? When it goes wrong, what is it that makes it go wrong? What is it that you desire? I, I hear couples all the time. They have uh, differing drives. Well, in reality, whenever you sit down and talk to them, all right, how many times a week are you really looking for? And you ask both of them, they're not that far apart. Mm-hmm. And so in many of these issues, if you can get a couple to truly talk with each other, uh, then it's good. But but this can be a difficulty. If, if you're not good friends, if there's not a trust that is there, I think whenever it comes to friendship, it's about trust. Mm-hmm. If that trust is not present, uh, then you're going to have a difficult time talking about sex. If you're not good partners, I think partnership is about respect. If that respect isn't present, then suddenly the intimacy becomes about one using the other. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a very dangerous kind of concept. And so I think this is an area, one reason that couples tend to need to get help a little bit faster than others uh, because it is so personal and it involves so many other aspects uh, of their relationship. So I would say read the third section of this book. If things don't get better, call a counselor, go sit down. And, and my guess with just within three or four sessions, uh, they can begin to make some improvements to assist you in this area. You know, Kevin, that's amazing advice. You know, I, I wonder how come we don't get this advice before we get married? You know, like you're seeing divorces happen and broken relationships. And I, I feel that we've set people up for this fairy tale marriage idea that isn't the true picture. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just feel like something's gone amiss. Either we're not, 
getting people ready or in reality of what marriage is. You know, I even talked to some of my single friends. I'm like, you know, the grass isn't always greener. You know, if you don't work on it, you know, being single too is great. There's great opportunities being single. Even biblically, you know, there's, there's, you know, the case for being single. Um, So why do you think that is? Because I feel a little, not just, distraught because I think a book like yours is so needed and, and should be at every, in every church and with every, you know, person that's married. But what do you think's happened as far as our idea of marriage and why we're seeing still the breakdown of marriages, even within the church as well? Yeah, well, I, I, first of all, some marriages just aren't going to make it. And we just have to, to understand that. And uh, we're, we're sin-filled people, no doubt. Why well, it takes two people to make a marriage work, one person can end it. And, and so in no way would I ever want to guilt or to say, well, if y'all would have just worked harder or shown intention, yeah. your relationship would have been there. I don't want to say that at all. But from a general concept, when it, with the young couples that I end up marrying, uh, as we begin to talk, they bought into false premises. They bought into the false premises of the soulmate that this person is going to be perfect, so I don't have to do anything. Or in many ways, they bought into the false premise of, well, it's just a flip of a coin. 50% of all marriages end in divorce, they say. That's not a true stat. But they say that. So it's just a flip of a coin. So I don't. it doesn't matter what I do. This may or may not work out. And so they end wow. up not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And so I think if couples would come in with this basic concept, you can go back to the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. If they would begin with that concept. I don't have a clue what I'm doing, but I love you and I'm going to learn and I'm going to do everything in my power to make this work. If they will come in with that type of humility and, and then work at it with intention, uh, their chances of divorce will diminish. It won't, they won't disappear, but they will go down much further. But I think instead what tends to happen is couples think, well, we fell in love easily. And so clearly we'll stay in love mm-hmm. easily. Uh, and it just doesn't happen that way. Were you surprised that when you started your blog, you know, and your website that it was, you know, you're writing about leadership. And then as you started, you know, writing about marriage, you know, just this past year, you had 10 million views collectively on your articles. Does that surprise you that there was such an appetite for help in marriage or advice on marriage, even more than, say, leadership? Shocked. I, I never set out to be a marriage writer. I, I thought I'm not a counselor. I'm a pastor. So clearly I deal yeah. with relationships in mm-hmm. every area. But I, I set out to write about leadership. To write, we, Jenny and I have a child with special needs to write about that, to write about communication. I love decision making. wanted to write about that. And, and literally one of the discipline of writing. And one day I wrote an article because I didn't have any other ideas. I wrote an article on marriage that I thought was so simple. It wasn't a big deal. And all these people read it. Wow. And I thought, oh, I told Jenny, we've hit on something. And so every Wednesday after that, I begin to write on marriage. And by far, that is the most viewed day uh, for the website. And suddenly this is now what I'm spending a lot of time speaking on and writing about and thinking through. Never intended to be that uh, in any way whatsoever. But what I, what I think is useful here is I have counselors that are far smarter than me that give me good information. They are the true experts in these kind of areas. But what am I? I am a common man who's in a relationship, who's trying to make it work, who, who loves her more than anything, and yet I understand how much I, how many mistakes I make. And then I see all these relationships uh, across the spectrum of what's going on. So what I think that I can do as a pastor is I can just speak into the common experience. And, and this is this is just basic truth that is generally true uh, for all people. And, and so I've been shocked by it, but I've enjoyed it. You know, as a pastor, and you know, obviously for both of us that we have, you know, faith in Jesus, how important is that in a marriage? I mean, there are some people that are watching. They're sort of, you know, we have a, I have a spectrum and journey of people. Some are sort of just 
trying to figure out the whole Jesus thing. Some have been been there and have left it. I have all kinds of people on this journey. But how important, you know, is it to have, you know, marriage based on the foundation of Jesus? And if and if you're not there or one of you is, how do you make that, you know, something that is important or a focus within your marriage? Yeah, obviously it's the it's the lens through which I view everything. So yeah. it's difficult for me to think about marriage outside of of that perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see how people do it. I know they do and, and I'm grateful for that. But for me it's everything from the standpoint of marriage for me ultimately is about the transformation of my own sin-filled heart. It's the avenue that God is going to use, one of them, but probably the best avenue that God is going to use to reveal my sinfulness uh, to me. I, I often say you don't know how much of a sinner you are until you're married and then maybe until you have kids. Yes. Because I can yeah. I can fake it the rest of the time. If I meet you, we can, we can have coffee and everything mm-hmm. would be great. And about the time I get kind of tired and maybe frustrated and agitated, we can leave and you can think I'm great. Mm-hmm. But I can't leave my wife. <clears throat> and, and once you have a wife, then you can't retreat to your bedroom. She's there. And once you have kids, you can't even retreat to the bathroom because they're there, right? <laughs> right. And so suddenly you begin to see I'm much more messed up than I realized. And yet God uses that as a grace now mm-hmm. to transform your heart. And so I think on one standpoint, marriage is so important because it is one avenue that God can use to show me my sinfulness, to show me my need for grace, to then cause me to love one another, mm-hmm. to cause me in the small ways to humble myself as Christ did and to love my wife. <clears throat> but then I think on the other side, it's extremely important to the church as well. You know, as a pastor of a church, our church is damaged by divorce. Relationships break. We lose people that they stop going here. They turn away from God. Mm -hmm. It's no accident that Paul and many of his letters to churches that were meeting in homes would write about marriage at times because he knew that that small group meeting in that church is going to be awfully uncomfortable if that marriage is bad. Mm -hmm. And and so marriage is important to the church in so many ways and that it's important to the transformation of our own hearts. Kevin, amazing. There's so much information and encouragement within your book. As you, you know, are sharing about your book, you know, out onto in social media and and in interviews. What's your hope? What's your hope that when people pick this up that they come away with after they read it? Yeah, my my hope is that somebody with a good marriage picks it up and is encouraged by what they already have and maybe will find a nugget or two to do better. Mm. Uh, My hope is that somebody in the midst of a struggling marriage will pick it up and realize, all right, before this relationship ends, we're going to give it our best effort to make it work. And that a young couple or a young individual who isn't married yet would pick it up and that they would be saved from so many struggles and frustrations that we've experienced. And to know that, yeah, you're going to have some struggles, but there are some things you don't have to face because you have the truth already equipped uh, within you. I think my hope maybe more than anything is that by me continually speaking about it, I'll be a better husband to Mm -hmm. Jenny and, and be the husband that she deserves. It's amazing. You know, the takeaway that I've just got from you, Kevin, is, you know, that marriage is work and intentional. And, you know, I, I think it, there's been just sort of a poke with me because there are times where I, maybe more than just a few, but just being apathetic and not wanting to work at it. Because there is that idea of like, now I've found the partner again and now, and a friend and a lover, and now I don't have to do the work, we're just here. But I can see the danger of that we are not intentional about being a friend, partner, and lover. We'll go down the road and look back and go, 
what happened. You know, we look at where we are now. So this is just great for me, I think, as someone who's been married nine months in a second marriage, you know, gone through a lot of good Christian counseling and care within a community that I think is key as you go through difficulties. Um, these are just good reminders for me on, you know, going forward in my marriage and being very intentional about being a good friend, partner, and lover. So I love it. Thank you for this. Thank you for this book. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Yeah, amazing. So thanks again. And uh, where can you get the book? Where can you get this? Get your book? You, you can go to, on Amazon today. Uh, it's 9.42 on Amazon uh, today. <laughs> you can also go to KevinAThompson.com and, and find it there and anywhere books are sold. Okay, excellent. Well, Kevin Thompson, thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you and all the best with your book. So what did you think of our story this week? Let me know in the comments below or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find all our past episodes online at faithstrongtoday.com slash your story. 